Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Waterlog Podcast. My name is Dan Janolfi. And I'm Howard Marlow. And uh, special thanks to Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network for hosting us. Uh, we missed our, uh, our episode last month, uh, just trying to get things reformulated, as I'm sure many of you guys are at home, readjusting to life, working from home. Uh, but we are able to get together today uh, for a new podcast. So we've got a couple topics today. Uh, the Corps has announced a, uh, a benefit cost reformulation, uh, which is very important. Many of you guys have reached out uh, about our, our waterlog post. Uh, we're going to give you an update on Congress uh, and what's going on um, in their neck of the woods now that they're at home, but they are still working. Uh, we're going to talk about what coastal communities need, going to a little bit uh Howard's going to talk about that. He put out a recent blog about what coastal communities, states, and local governments need uh, from the federal government. Uh, there's public comments that are sought on new mitigation rules. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, hurricane season forecast has uh, increased from last year. And then a uh, little opinion here at the end we'll, we'll get into. But let's go ahead and get started. So R.D. James announces core project benefits reformulation. And this is responding to complaints from leaders in both coastal and inland communities uh, that the, um, and the administration has announced that the core study process is being modified to fully identify, analyze, and maximize all benefits in the national economic development, regional economic development, and other social effects accounts. Absolutely, Dan. And uh, incidentally, I um, want to assure everybody that we are at appropriate distances, I measured it. Measured it uh, six point two feet, actually. We're probably actually about twenty feet apart here at this conference table. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we are looking far down the table at each other, um, and, and uh, it, it's a lot of people in the coastal community know benefit cost is a major issue because the core does all of its projects based upon a very complicated formula of determining national economic uh, interest. And as part of that, they calculate a BCR, benefit cost ratio. Um, the issue is what goes into benefits. Costs are kind of easy to calculate uh, because you have a sheet of paper that says we're going to take, uh, it's going to take this much for the dredge to mobilize and uh, this much for the labor and the fuel and all that sort of stuff. And so you put that cost together with the benefits, but what are the benefits? And they're very narrowly viewed. There are two reasons that they're narrowly viewed, and they're all related to something that we just alluded to in the waterlog uh, e-update that we sent out. But there are categories. National economic development benefits are the ones that count the most. Then regional economic development benefits and other social effects. Um, and those, and obviously we have, importantly, the environmental benefits, which can't be quantified, monetized. Um, very often, regional economic development benefits and other social effects are not even counted. So if it's going to totally decimate the uh, jobs uh, that are going on in a region not to have this project, basically screw it. It doesn't make any difference. It's not counted. So, uh, a lot of complaints about this, particularly for any flood damage reduction project, not just coastal storm damage reduction, but there's a heavy investment at the beginning, and then there's constant investment of cost 
over time. And the bottom line is complaints, as you said, uh, all over the place from inland Iowa, Kansas, everywhere, flood damage uh, projects. And then uh, in, in addition to that, along the coast, my God, you know, even if we are able to get a one point one to one um, benefit to cost ratio, it's not a good enough, good enough for um, uh, the folks at the White House <clears throat> Office of Management and Budget. So at least dealing with the first of these, what is what is counted? NED, uh, RED, OSE. Um, Mr. James put out, uh, Assistant Secretary James put out a um, announcement on the 3rd of April, which I have in front of me, and apparently it didn't get wide distribution outside of certain folks in the coastal community. Um, but it says you got to take in, you core, when you're doing your feasibility studies, you have to take into account all of the benefits, uh, including those in NED, RED, and OSE. Give full value because what we're doing right now is not doing a full reflection. And, um, you know, that is, uh, you know, just about uh, from this day forward, he wants that to be done. And he, he even said himself, failure to identify and evaluate all project benefits of Civil Works projects understates the value of such investments, leading to suboptimal investment decisions. Which he then he then went to direct core personnel to include assessment of all project benefits yeah. into all accounts to inform agency recommendations. So, I think that's a major step forward. Uh, we don't know fully what it means. We do know it means good news. That it's an is improvement sure. on what we had before. And, and uh, thank you to Secretary James, quite frankly, and the whole community that's been pushing for this. Absolutely, because if he would not have done this, although he is an extremely good person. He would not have heard, done this if he had not heard from the so-called non-federal interests, all the non-federal sponsors, contacting their members of Congress who have spoken to him and said, come on, we've got to be able to take into account X and Y and a variety of things. When you get a community that is flooded out and we are only counting the first or second row of buildings and not the impact on the flooding out of the roads that are taking place and all the impacts that those are having, we are not taking into account all of the benefits that could come from a project that prevents that flooding. We don't know yet, uh, as we pointed out in uh, our uh, e-water log update, uh, we don't know yet uh, whether that's going to be uh, saying, okay, you got to really expand your NED benefits. The core has uh, traditionally been very narrow in, in its NED, as I said, not taking into account the uh, the roads and things like that that are flooded. But what we do know is that it's changed, and I think it's very good. And we want to hear from you out there about what your questions are uh, and how important this is to you. And if you would like a copy of this, please contact us at uh, Howard at waterlog.net or Dan at waterlog.net. Yeah, so this is great news. How? What's the latest from Congress? We had a, a short blurb in our recent water log, um, but that was uh, back on April 15th, so it's been a few days since then. What updates do you have for us? Well, we've got uh, the usual confusion that happens when you throw $2.2 trillion out. Uh, Congress, uh, in cooperation with the administration, came up with a plan, and it's 
uh, for small businesses, it's not enough money, the Paycheck Protection Plan, uh, which was trying to keep people protected in their jobs and small businesses, ran out of money uh, last week. Uh, so more money coming there. What we do see right now is that uh, it's likely that there will be what I'm calling at least a stimulus 3.5 since the CARE stimulus that we've reported on in our waterlog update is in essence the third stimulus. Uh, 3.5 will uh, come along this week. Uh, the Senate uh, may be acting on this uh, first and then the House is going to have to come in. Um, this is going to be a major deal. Uh, one, because one congressman from Kentucky won't let anything happen by unanimous consent, uh, just as a matter of principle. Uh, two, because they want to make a rule change. They want to get to that in a moment. But they will do something for small businesses and provide um, money for hospitals as well. Um, what is not in there is anything for uh, state and local governments who are also shorted by this $2.2 trillion. And I'm sure that many people are wondering, is there, there going to be any infrastructure in this package? No. No. You can say that <laughs> real clear. No. Because that was something that the House was talking about. Yes. House leadership uh, had floated a very ambitious infrastructure plan, which I think would be tremendous for this country. Um, but the administration has said they do not want to get into two things. One, infrastructure, and two, more money for states and local governments right now. They want to leave that to a future bill. Now, the reason the House is coming in for sure is that they want to do a rule change. They want to allow members to vote by proxy from their home districts. Once they're able to do that, they may be able to actually conduct more business. The Senate is more used to conducting business on unanimous consent and figuring out how to move forward. Because <laughs> just as is happening in the House, it's normal practice for one senator to object unless they have some unanimous consent agreement. Well, what they want to do in the House is uh, their version of it, proxy voting. That, I think, will enable them to start doing some real looking at the kinds of needs that need to be done in this country. So, number one, uh, I expect the small business package to be passed this week and to be signed into law by um, the weekend by the president. Then I think... Uh, you know, Congress is not due really to be back in session until maybe next month, maybe June. May back. 4th is what we heard, but it, 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 it keeps getting pushed back. It, it does. I don't see them really operating. The people who are making decisions right now are the two leaders in the Senate, the, Dem the Republican leader, Senator McConnell, the uh, Democratic leader, Senator Schumer, uh, Representative Pelosi, and uh, the administration mostly with Secretary of Treasury Mnuchin, who seems to be able to get along with Congress and try to reach agreement. Those are the people who are making uh, decisions. Uh, so there may be some things coming there. Uh, and I would hope, uh, certainly in May and uh, by June at the latest, we see, we see a real significantly large uh, fourth stimulus uh, bill. A couple other things I want to mention, Dan, about things that are going on in Congress. Um, the Senate Environment Public Works Committee is holding virtual hearings on uh, the Water Resource Development Act. If you look on their website, uh, you'll see their schedule. They're taking testimony 
in four groups and uh, from um, experts that they've invited to members of the panel to others. Uh, and that will all be taking place uh, by the end of this month. Um, a lot of this is testimony that is not like uh, using Zoom. It is receiving testimony and uh, then allowing members uh, of Congress to make comments on uh, a testimony. But it's, it's their effort since the House has already gotten hearings underway that said it's trying to you know, make some progress. And I want to do a little crystal ball here with regard to appropriations. No action that we're seeing right now, but I will guarantee you that staff from the House and Senate Appropriations Committees are meeting. And my crystal ball aspect of this is that by the time they get down to this, which in, in, in even staff to staff or member to member, in terms of putting some <clears throat> final decisions together, I think we'll be um, looking at a very compressed process and that the final bills that come out will look at least in overall numbers very much like uh, for next year what we have for this year. And if that remains so for the core, then that would be basically good numbers because the president even came in at a good number for this year and Congress can plus up in some areas that are significant uh, to levels that uh, are similar to the FY20 levels, then I think you know, we'll be in good shape. And in terms of timeline, do you expect things to follow a similar timeline as last year, or are we going to be delayed, you know, two to three months based on the time that Congress has been out? Time that Congress has been out, yes, uh, will delay things. Also, uh, Election Day. Uh, it may be possible to split things into a couple minibuses, in which case perhaps there will be some non-controversial bills that will be able to to move uh, perhaps even by October 1st, because Congress goes on uh, recess unless they change their minds. They go on recess for campaigning. Remember, all of the members of the House are up for re-election, so they need to campaign. Um, and that recess might be in the, up in the air this year, though, however. Well, the August recess might be up in the air. Yeah. I don't know how much the election. Oh, that's what yeah, I was yeah. talking about. Yeah, August yeah, recess. Exactly. Yeah. So how much can they get done by October 1st? Um, I'm going to be, again, optimistic. I've been optimistic in years past and said I think that they can reach agreement on some of the bills. I think that there will be things, uh, once again, the Blessed Border Wall has not been completed yet. Um, there's a sidebar on that, which uh, some of you can read about in, um, if you look in the news about uh, the President's pre daily press conference. I believe it was yesterday, the day before. So that would be, and depending upon when you're listening to this, look at sometime during the, the week of April 20th. Um, that, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, he had um, uh, the chief of engineers, General Seminite, there talking about what they're doing with the uh, coronavirus. And he interrupted him and said, well, tell us what you're doing on the border wall. And he just kept on pressing him to tell him more about the border wall, the border wall, how much is getting done. The president's got that clearly fixated. So if he doesn't have enough money to finish it, that's another issue. <clears throat> uh, there may be other ones. Uh, who knows? But if if the election gets in the way, then we don't see action uh, on appropriation bills until um, December. So I'm going to be optimistic, say some, maybe before, all, not until December. So we've been hearing state and local governments are struggling 
and you just recently put out a blog on what coastal communities need. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, just a bit. I think that it's an extremely important issue. Uh, obviously, all local governments are suffering right now, and state governments as well. Uh, you know, I've watched the announcements coming from state governments. Uh, the Coastal States Organization pointed out that in some cases, uh, the coastal zone management uh, programs are being raided for money that the state needs just to operate. Um, and uh, that's happening in, in a variety of places. Local governments, how do they, they you know, they've got to be able to pay for the police, firefighters, and all the other first responders and all the other people they need. And they're having trouble. So everybody on the local and state level needs more help, but coastal especially. And I want to point it out particularly because we're coming up <clears throat> on the summer season. And so while those of you who would normally be doing plans for, I'm going to be renting uh, you know, this cottage or this hotel or whatever it is, are probably holding off because you don't know if you're going to be able to travel. If the hotel's going to be open, we have, in some places, hotels have closed. They are, period, closed. Some have put up a sign, temporarily closed. Some are just not able to sustain themselves because a lot along the coast are mom-and-pop local operations. Um, the reason I mention this, basically, is that there is a special need in coastal communities. Looking at all of the so-called recreational tourism that goes on for coastal communities to really be in dire need because they get a lot of their revenues from what happens from tourism. Not only do they, you know, is it the tourists, but it is all the hospitals that, you know, are providing help for the surfers who get banged up. I say that to you as we smile. And, uh, the, and, and the banks the insurance companies, the realtors, and those who are not classified as formal realtors, but who are renting out cars. Right, we see our economy, you know, our national economy is slowing down dramatically, but in the coast, I it's, think it's going dead. it's huge. There is Absolutely nothing going on. nothing going Especially on. with beaches closed. I mean, I know Florida just reopened its beaches, and places in the south, you know, yeah. are a little more open than we have here in the north, but... Yeah, I mean, please, wherever you are, if they're open, I mean, they're, they're marvelous places, but... People getting together is a dangerous thing. But the fact of the matter is, people walking the beach is not the same as a coastal economy. What you have along the coast is, is, is not just recreation as we look at it as people, you know, playing on the beach and, and, uh, and, you know, lying down and all that sort of stuff. We have ports. We have uh, commercial fishing operations. We have all of the things that go on on the coast. We have energy production going on. The coastal economy is huge. It is producing, you know, whatever the numbers that I used, but I estimated over $344 billion in tax revenues for the federal government every year. Even in Florida, states where there's no state income tax, there's a federal income tax. So from business and personal income taxes, jobs, all the people who are repairing homes, doing the plumbing, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's going to be serious. So to coastal communities, uh, my message would be start organizing, speaking up, getting you know, the word across. Not that you need special assistance, but that the coastal economy is tanking. And that message is what it means for not only your community, but what it means for your region and for the nation 
is a message that needs to be gotten across here to uh, your representative, to your senators, and to those people in uh, those four or five people who are making decisions. Because at the same time that they're making decisions about what the next uh, stimulus bill is going to be, corporate advocates are here. They're all over the place. I watched new registrations for lobbyists are huge. Mm -hmm. They're absolutely huge, and they're all in the corporate area. I understand that you know there's a difference between what corporations can afford and what local governments can afford. But given our experience over the years that we've had, we've been able to show that we've been able to get that voice. I, I've often said you know, that a mayor walking down the halls of Congress is like a corporate executive walking down the halls. He or she has power. Mm -hmm. It's the power of the people. It's the power of the votes. So raise your voices. Right. And if you stick around to the end, we have a, a unique novel way that, that we found uh, that we'll, we'll share with you at the end, yeah. how you can contact your representatives very easily. Uh, very simply, it takes very little time. So, Howard, there's a little bit of uh, confusion going on around the public comments on the new mitigation rules. Uh, FEMA is seeking public comment on its proposed rules implementing the new Hazard Mitigation Assistance Grant Program, uh, which was established by Congress in 2018. And, and essentially what it does is it sets aside 6% of estimated disaster funds uh, for the Building Resilient and Infrastructure and Communities Program. And so essentially with all these disaster funds that, um, that Congress is putting out is potentially 6% of those now going to go towards that yeah, FEMA program? I don't know. Understand. That's what the law says. The law seems to say, at least as I, seems is like reading words. That'd be a huge injection of cash. I mean, we're talking trillions of dollars, 6% of that. Exactly, into mitigation. This, um, many of you know about the BRIC program. I don't remember what the words stand for, but the bottom line is it's a hazard mitigation program. And the rules that have been put out are the implementing rules for something that FEMA uh, held uh, uh, a lot of webinars on last year to explain what the program's intent was. But if that all translates uh, into 6% of the amount of money that is being put out this year in disaster relief, then there's going to be money going into mitigation. And we can say hallelujah unto that. And I think, uh, again, this is something that coastal communities need to pay close attention to find out more about it so that you can start speaking up again to your elected representatives and to the people who need to hear from you that if this pot opens up the way it's supposed to open up that you have plans put some plans in place get them going a lot of you have plans take them off the shelf and say what you're going to do to mitigate uh, for the kind of disasters I understand they're not going to be pan, you know, coronavirus, but they're going to be the kind of pandemics that are coming up with the next point I think we're going to make, which is hurricanes. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so we're seeking clarity on that, and as soon as we have some uh, rest assured, we will share that with you. The upcoming hurricane season forecast is, again, above normal. Uh, this is the... Uh, the 37th year that the university, uh, that the Department of Atmospheric Science has made predictions, and this year again it's above normal. They predict eight hurricanes, with half being Category Three or higher, and a 69% chance that may, uh, that a, a major hurricane makes landfall. And actually, just today I read um, from uh, I'm forgetting the acronym of it. Uh, but essentially, they're saying that there's a 45% chance that hurricanes are going to be reaching farther inland 
So it's not just coastal communities now. You're going to get, you're going to see much greater rainfall inland from hurricanes. And, yeah. you know, it pretty much is warmer water, bigger storms. It's that simple. Folks who are listening in North Carolina uh, are, have already felt the pain in past couple of years ago. Hurricanes come inland. Uh, and I've read the same thing, that the, uh, the force of these hurricanes in the direction is going to be more so uh, coastal plus uh, and what we've seen rainfall. is even if they're not as strong, they're just even a category one is just much larger, covering a much, much bigger area and dumping a lot more rain over a longer period of time. Exactly. It's the Hurricane Sandy syndrome, which was never a hurricane, a super storm. That's why it's called super storm. It's never a hurricane. It, it basically was a huge nor'easter with tropical winds. And it's a, it's a recipe for huge amounts of rain, flooding, disruption, damage and, and, and could be unfortunately deadly. And I just make the point, you know, I, I made this point in, in the e-water logs, Mother Nature simply doesn't care. You know, Great Lakes levels have continued to set record records. Uh, summer levels this, uh, this season are projected to be higher than last year's record. Uh, in some areas, recreational beaches are totally underwater. I know in, uh, up in Lake Michigan, uh, Lake Charlevoix, uh, some docks are completely below water. Uh, several areas in the Great Lakes have houses colla collapsing into the water. I know we're talking about Great Lakes levels here, but it's all related. Um, and in the Atlantic, we have severe erosion occurring all over. The Northeast just got hammered again uh, with with another winter storm. But this is, I mean, we're seeing impacts from Maine to Florida and all over across the nation. Um, so really, you know, the worst we can do here is, is not be prepared for the 69% chance that a major hurricane makes landfall in the, in the, in the U.S. What if we get two of them? And uh, do you want Congress to handle the, the cleanup response with recovery uh, with a massive disaster supplemental like it has, like it's done for years, or prefer that we invest in infrastructure now? I agree. The issue is business as usual in this country is we respond. We respond post-disaster. We do not get involved before. So what is it that we people can do? What do you suggest, Dan? Well, so a very easy way, and this is something that we that we just found over the past few weeks, it's, uh, it's a tool called ResistBot, right? And it's a free service that will send your message to your legislators. Just go to uh, the link we have on Waterlog. I imagine it's resistbot.com, but I um, don't have the link right in front of me. Um, and essentially, we I've, I put out a little template on, on the recent Waterlog, and, you essentially just sign your name and, and it's going to send a message to your legislators. You can, you can tweet, you can send a letter, whatever, whatever form you like. Uh, but it's, it's a very simple, easy way. And of, of course, you know, many of us at home, we don't buy personal lobbyists, right? We don't afford personal mm -hmm. lobbyists. This is, this is a way that you can, you can reach your legislator uh, or legislators very easily uh, from your home computer. I think it's an excellent idea. I, I believe very much you know, over the years that we've learned about the power of the people. I know that there's a lot of cynicism about how government responds or doesn't respond, and we have things that we can do to improve all the, in terms of all the money that's going around to influence. But again, you are the voters, and this is an election year, so speak up. Speak up now and resist pot, I think. I checked it out. It's, it's a cool little tool. Yeah, it is. It's a cool little tool. I, I love it. Go on to Waterlog, uh, check that out, and if you guys have any feedback, uh, please let us know. 
don't know if these sirens are going to be picked up. That's pretty loud now that DC's silent out there. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? You can just normally, you said it to me the other day, you could drop a pin out in front of K Street here. And well, if you need to cross K Street, you just cross. You cross. You walk anywhere you want to. <laughs> don't worry about it. There's no, there's no traffic. And, and, and so we had at least a little background so people can believe that we're actually broadcasting from not so far from the White House, about three blocks, and uh, just down the street from the Capitol. A little historic note, uh, this week is the uh, 94th birthday of Queen Elizabeth. Um, it's also the uh, same um, birthday as my sister, who uh, passed away recently. So it, it's a um, bittersweet memory, but uh, the Queen it continues on in, uh, in England, as well as the United States, uh, is continuing on. A lot of people we know are listening to us are are going through the same kind of struggles that you and I are, Dan. Yep. It's not easy. No. I mean, you just celebrated a birthday, and that's been tough. I know both my, uh, well, not, it's tough. You don't get to celebrate the way you normally, you normally yeah. do. Both, you know, three members of my family have had a birthday now during the this pandemic, and it's it's, it's been different, you know, yeah. with Zoom calls and things like that. So yeah, it is. we hope everyone out there is doing okay. We appreciate you guys listening. I hope that we can provide you you know, a good update here. I think this one's going to be a little longer than usual to make up for last last month's missing episode. But uh, good. you get your money's worth, folks. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, do subscribe to Waterlog. Um, it's real easy on uh, waterlog.net. So it's free, and uh, we don't use uh, you know your name for any other marketing any marketing purposes whatsoever. So um, you know, I, I think these are tough times. We are going to get through them. I think it's going to last a bit longer even for those people who are opening up now and of course we want to, we want to see summer open oh yeah you know god knows we do um but it's you know it's good seeing your face today but. thanks for listening everybody thanks again to american shoreline podcast network coastal news today uh for keeping this alive and uh we'll see you soon thanks for listening take care now bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.